Cause it's a pain A destiny child You know it will be rocking Cause it's flipping insane It's just a pain A destiny child More precious than a diamond On a platinum chain In Venice Beach there was a man named Candyman 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 I'm scared And welcome to The Pick, the movie podcast where every week we pick a movie, we talk about it, and at the end of the episode, someone picks another movie for the next episode. No questions asked. That's the power of The Pick, low concept, high fun. It's all about the rules. We are your hosts, John Otney. Colin Westman. And Sean Lemming. So, guys, for that bit, I contemplated creating a character called Podcast Man. (laughs) But I, I couldn't come up with uh, any kind of mythology to accompany that. Should go with Mr. Pick. Mr. Pick. I imagine you're so, like listening to a podcast and like a like a hook like hooks come like through your headphones and into your ear and like stab oh, your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the AirPods are already kind of hook shaped. Yeah. So does he does he force you to listen to his podcast? Yeah, but it's incredibly painful, <laughs> both in terms of like, you know, your pain threshold and the listening experience. Well, what kind of content does Podcast Man have? Um, he's just like really into cars. <laughs> it's it's like, really boring. What was that on NPR Car Talk? Yeah, is it's that like NPR? that. But oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Silly, silly man. Did you guys ever listen to Car Talk? I mean, never by choice. No. Never. It's one of those things that just comes on, and you're like, I guess I'm listening to this for a few minutes. I don't even know if that's still going. I feel like they retired in the last few years. But okay, I could be wrong. Because it definitely seems like a 90s thing. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's probably for the best. Also a 90s thing, guys, uh, The Candyman, the 1992 film, which we are talking about this week in honor of the new movie, uh, which actually did well at the box office. Did you guys see that? A movie doing somewhat well in the times of COVID? That's nice. Yeah. yeah it, it would not have done, like, the, the, the box office it did would not be a healthy box office <laughs> yeah, any I mean, other year. I feel like most weekends, whatever movie opens at number one, they're like, wow, people actually went to go see this. <laughs> it made $20 million. Like, I feel like everybody just feels good that anyone is going to see any movies at this point in theaters. I mean, I can tell you that uh, Sean and myself and my brother Paul went to go see uh, went and saw it and had a pretty good time. We saw it in Dolby Atmos, which is yeah. ear-shattering sound. <laughs> It's just this is the loudest butt. thing I've ever seen. Oh my Does that make God. it yeah, extra scary? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay. <laughs> but I feel like for the wrong reasons. Yeah. It would have made anything scary at that volume. <laughs> we could have been watching a comedy and somebody laughed too loud. It would have vibrated the seats and I would have screamed. Yeah. I have heard some people complain that that movie is not scary enough. So maybe that was part of it. Maybe. Also, after the movie, we encountered our own uh, boogeyman. You remember that guy, Sean, that security guard? Yeah, that was really weird. <laughs> Some security guard. What did he say? 
said, have a tranquil evening. And they did the Nazi salute. <laughs> they did a Nazi salute. What? I don't think it was intentional, but it looked exactly like a Nazi salute. And then we were talking about how he was going to get us in the parking lot with tranquilizers because <laughs> we didn't give him a Nazi salute back. So uh, we came up with our own villain. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Scary stuff, but we'll uh, more more about that later. Uh, you, right now, you know what I thought was cool in retrospect, though, John. Before you yeah. go, yeah, go yeah, on, yeah. go ahead. Is uh, when we watched it, the new one. I remember talking about how we all really thought the opening credits were cool. Mm-hmm. They're these like upside down shots of skyscrapers, like they're they're looking up at skyscrapers going up into the mist. Yes, it's really eerie and neat. Yes, uh, and then th- and then this movie starts out with a long like down like helicopter shot of the city of Chicago. So it's like a mirror shot of the opening shot of this movie. This I, you know, I didn't even think about that. That opening shot of this movie, I'm still not sure why it's in there. Maybe we'll get into it. I like it a lot. I don't know what it means narratively, but it's cool. Um, but no, now I really appreciate it now that yeah they paid homage in a way in this new one. Um. This new one had all sorts of fun tricks like that. Like a lot of the opening credits were like in reverse, cause mirrors. <laughs> I hear like a lot of theaters had to put out signs being like, "Yeah, no, the opening credits aren't screwed up. It's it's like a stylistic decision." It's just reversed. Because people are yeah. that stupid, like oh, the, the words are backwards. Let's get out of here. But uh, we weren't fooled. We had a good time. Uh, but first, we got to do our Lil Picks. Uh, this is where we recommend other stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll keep it at that, I guess. <laughs> I was going to recommend a documentary, but then I decided I really don't want to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about the new uh, Pringle Spicy Chicken Sandwich Crisps, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of become my, my area of expertise. John's food quarter now. John's, John's Snack Shack. Uh, so uh, Pringles has collaborated with Wendy's to recreate their spicy chicken sandwich in the form of one of their crisps which is hard to say but remember they're not chips because they don't contain enough potato content to be considered (laughs) potato chips and this year in particular I've become a big fan of that spicy chicken sandwich I think it's it's because of listening to Doughboys and they're big proponents of that sandwich so when I get fast food, which isn't often, but when I get it, I get that, and I love it. But then I'm like, no way that's going to work in chip form. But I think they fucking nailed it this time. Because <laughs> I've also tried the Wendy's Baconator chip. And, like, you, you yeah. taste the bacon a little bit. It kind of tastes like bacon bits or something. But you don't get any of the cheese or the beef or the tomato. But with this chicken chip, I can really taste the spicy chicken. And a little hint of the mayo and all that other good stuff. It really worked for me. And I would I would actually go and buy it again. Usually with these kind of novelties, I'll try it once, not finish it. It'll go bad, and then I'll throw it out. But this, I'll get more. Keep making it. It's good. But, I mean, it, I guess it all depends on how much you guys like the spicy chicken sandwich. Do you guys like that sandwich? Never had it. <laughs> wow. I do. I that's usually my go-to now when I go to Wendy's, which is, you know, once a year maybe. <laughs> but uh yeah, I like that sandwich. It's a good one. Sean, you want to weigh in? 
I've never had it. He just said, yeah, he's never had oh, it. Oh, I missed that. Sorry. I missed that. Yeah. Um, well, I had never had it before Can't this year. But I was impressed. You know, and it's basic. It's just chicken sandwich. It's got lettuce, mayo, bun, done. You're good. That's what everybody's doing. So it's just like, it's just the chicken sandwich that everybody has. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like a couple places throw pickles into the mix. Um, but also this chicken sandwich has been around for a while. I remember yeah. getting this spicy chicken sandwich in high school. Yeah, I think 96 or mid-90s is when it kind of started. But I'd never thought to get... I've never been a big chicken sandwich guy until recent years. You know, I get a little older, get a little more health conscious. Maybe I should... (laughs) (laughs) Talking about going to Wendy's, though. (laughs) But, like, you want to eat a little less red meat, so I'm going to get a fried Um, chicken sandwich. When I was going to Wendy's, I would get the, uh, the grilled chicken sandwich, which I don't think they have anymore. Um, but that was good. It had like a special sauce and all the same ingredients, but it was just grilled. Yeah, I mean, they have sweet. a grilled chicken sandwich, but I don't think it's the same one. Um, I'm always excited for any sandwich that has a special sauce. That, special that, sauce. that really reels me in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, dude. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, that's all I got. Uh, that spicy chicken chip. I don't, it says limited time only. I, I wish they like gave like t- like I wish they told us how limited that time was. John, as an adult, how do you eat Pringles? Do you still reach all the way into that tube, or do you pour them out, and put them in a little um, bowl? A comedy. I, I'll reach as I think I'll reach as far as I can, and then eventually I'll I'll tip into my hand. I'm not going to reach all the way to the bottom, but I'll I'll reach close to that. But you're also not going to, like, put a little plate out. <laughs> There's something really depressing about pouring Pringles onto a plate. <laughs> I don't like think I'd do that. You're setting out hors d'oeuvres for yourself. <laughs> but it's just, go to it's just house. fucking Pringles. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, okay. we, you guys know that I'm not a salty snack guy. I'm a, yeah. I, I like the sweets. Yeah. Sure. But don't you, when you eat chips, pour them into a bowl? No. I don't. I always just eat them out of the bag. I mean, and obviously a lot of people do. That's a common I think thing. it's a I good idea personally. because if you pour them into the bowl, you have a finite amount of chips that you're like tempted to eat. But if you just eat it out of the bag, you may just finish the whole bag and feel terrible about yourself. So For some reason, I would feel which weird. Which is the about, end goal of all snacks. But like, I would yeah. feel weird. I would feel weird putting Pringles in a bowl because of that specific shape. I feel like they're only meant to stack on top of each other in the tube. That's how they were designed. <laughs> there, is, there is something special about grabbing a, a little stack off of that big stack. And remember, it's, it's not a chip, it's a crisp. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's almost an entirely different conversation. Uh-huh. I just feel like I would feel too much like a little kid if I had to reach into a tube. <laughs> I mean, the real secret to eating Pringles is just don't... Mi- eat them around anyone else hide when you eat them <laughs> it's too embarrassing otherwise <laughs> i mean that's usually the case for most snacks they're, they're the shame food but i feel like even if i was at a super bowl party i'd be i feel weird if i was the guy with a tube of pringles <laughs> yeah but if you put them out in a nice spiral on a plate <laughs> yeah 
Um, all right, who wants to go next? Who has a little pick? Um, all right, speaking of bacon, I finally saw the movie Pig uh, in theaters uh-huh. this weekend, uh, the Nicolas Cage movie, uh, where he stars as a guy who lives in the woods out in Oregon, and he searches for truffles. Uh and like sells them in this like I don't know, he just sells them to like this truffle dealer guy uh, played by Alex Wolf, and he has a special pig that's like super good at sniffing out the truffles, so he can you know dig them up. I guess they're underground. I didn't know much about truffles, which I don't feel like many people do. It's kind of a weird subsection of food right now. I don't know. I, I occasionally have things with truffle oil on it, and it's... I don't love it. Anyways, <laughs> the movie, uh, sort of John Wick style, like some people steal his pig, and then he, Nicolas Cage just spends the whole rest of the movie trying to track his pig down. He like goes to Portland and kind of meets up with a bunch of people from his past who used to know him. Uh... I almost don't want to explain that much of the plot, to be honest, because like I enjoyed not knowing where this movie was going to go, because I think because of that setup, you do almost assume it's going to turn into an action movie or like this guy's going to do violent shit (laughs) to get his pig back. And it uh, does not go in that direction. Uh, yeah, I'll just it say probably t- <laughs> it turns out that uh, the mushrooms are poisonous, and uh, his girlfriend doesn't care. She poisons him anyway, and he really he's into it. He likes getting sick with her because he's a sick fuck. That's the only other truffle movie I can think of. Phantom Thread. What is that? Those oh, are mushrooms. Yeah. Not truffles. Yeah, those are mushrooms. Though I don't know enough about truffles to make a strong argument here. Yeah, I mean, they seem like they could be in the same uh, <laughs> They're both weird, weird family. shit that goes out in the woods. No, I'm so excited to it, see this Wait, wait, movie. wait. Are you saying tr- a truffle is not a like a fungus? I don't. I mean, maybe. I actually uh, again, don't like know. I said, I don't know enough about the matter. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks like it is in the, okay. the fungus family. All right. A truffle, according to Wikipedia, is the fruiting body of a subterranean ascomycete fungus. I will say, there's one part in this movie where the characters are like not sure what to do next. Uh, Nicolas Cage and Alex Wolf are having a conversation, and one of them's like, what am I going to do now? I'm not going to move to Seattle. And then one of them says, yeah, fuck Seattle. <laughs> the other guy's like, yeah, fuck oh. Seattle. Oh, fuck love this it. Movie. Love to hear it. This movie can go right to hell. It, it, did, it did make me a little upset. It's funny, though. Yeah. Also, it's Sometimes like... you got to have a good sense of humor. The thing is... Everybody knows Seattle's better than Portland. <laughs> That's why people from Portland have a chip on their shoulder about Seattle and need to say things like "fuck Seattle." Because at the end of the day, Seattle doesn't even think about Portland that much. It's it's the way it is with cities that are like bigger and more interesting than than the ones that they're rivals with. 
Yeah, and all the cool people in Portland are either super old now or they can't afford to live there anymore. So <laughs> that shit's over. Yeah. I, I will say I do personally enjoy the Portland food scene more than the Seattle food scene just because I feel like the Seattle food scene is a little snooty. You know, we have our highfalutin seafood where I feel like Portland has a lot more kind of hearty working man type I guess but it's like annoying how Portland's like foods are a thing like that's what we do you know with the food trucks and restaurants where you gotta stand in line for 20 minutes to get in there is a lot of standing in lines if you want to Seattle go to nice places Seattle doesn't make Portland. a big deal out of its food <laughs> I feel like Seattle's an underrated food city personally <laughs> make a good point but as for this movie, so stoked to see it. Haven't gotten it spoiled yet. I've been trying to find some time to watch it with my brother. I think it is available on VOD but as a more expensive rental. But yeah, no, I don't know when I'm going to check it out, but I, I got to check it out before I somehow accidentally get it spoiled, which I feel like will happen. But I've heard like lots of people, like I, I know Red Letter Media briefly talked about it and said, this is like the best movie we've watched in years. And I'm like, wow, really? I, I gotta see what's going on in Pig. I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah, it's it's a good little movie. Well, when it was first announced, and even when they dropped the first trailer, I saw a lot of people like kind of like making fun of it, like it was gonna be another like like it was. The premise sounds silly on paper, yeah. but it sounds like the movie is a lot deeper than that. But yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it, but yeah, there's big money in Truffles. Uh, apparently, that's what I learned from this movie. Yeah, man. <laughs> Anyway, my little pick, Big Red Machine is back. You guys hyped? You guys feel the hype? <laughs> I don't think I've listened to any of their albums. Is that like the uh, what's the the Bonnie Vare, Aaron Desner side project? That right? is right. We all knew it was coming because they collaborated with Taylor Swift so much last year. We're like, these guys are working together so much. They got to have some more Big Red Machine all queued up. And they did. Um, it was almost exactly three years since the first Big Red Machine album. We have received How Long Do You Think It's Gonna Last? Which is another uh, long album title that I can... I guess it's my thing this year with my little fix. Um, because I found out about this one by going on the Bony Bear subreddit and seeing a poll where it's like, what do you like better, BRM or HLDYTIGL? And I was like, it's like I, I know a lot about this band, but I have no idea what those acronyms mean. Uh, but it's just it's just the title of the new uh, Big Red Machine album. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these have a different vibe than than Boney Bear albums, obviously, because it's um, more Aaron Dresner or Desner driven. Uh, since you, you can't even say Boney Bear is more Justin Vernon driven at this point, because it's become such a collaborative band. Um, but uh, there's a lot of collaboration happening on the second Big Red Machine album too uh, Taylor Swift is on two tracks uh, Fleet Foxes are all over the album uh, Sharon Van Etten shows up a couple times uh, it's, it's great it's just a bunch of people I like hanging out and making music uh, that's sort of electronic-y mostly alternative uh just, just good, good shit. Um, don't have a ton to say about it because it just came out last, last, the end of last week. So, mm-hmm. I listened to it a few times. But uh, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to make sure it was my pick because you know, was, with those Taylor Swift songs, I know everyone's going to be listening to it. 
I just want I want I want that hipster cred of being in on the ground floor. I mean, hey, you got more hipster cred than me. I talked about Pringles. So, <laughs> so prop, props to you, good sir. All right. Well, there you have it. Those are our little picks. And on to our feature presentation. We're talking Candyman, 1992. Uh, so before we get into this, I'll do a little background. I'll try not to do too much background, but I feel like every time I say that is when I do the most background. <laughs> You can do as much or as little as you like. I'm here yeah, for Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot. I mean, this is a movie that's built on real history, so there's got to yes, be a yes, lot yes, to yes. talk about. All right, so then let's start uh, with a guy named Clive Barker, a famous British author, uh, a lot of creepy horse shit. My main question to you was going to be, what's the deal with Clive Barker? <laughs> You just mean in general? Yeah, just in general. Uh, well, of course, Clive Barker is most famous for being the creator of Hellraiser, mm-hmm. um, which was based off his shorts. I think it was like a novelette, a short, short story called The Hellbound Heart that was turned into a film that he directed himself. He's directed a couple of adaptations of his own works. But Clive Barker was just kind of body horror, I guess, mostly. Um he got into a lot of like S&M stuff in a lot of his stories, a lot of uh, s- sexual stuff, very gratuitous for the time. Um, he's also, um, this is a hey, back-to-back weeks of a uh, literary work from a famous gay author. Mm-hmm. A lot of Hellraiser stuff is based off his own experiences in gay clubs and going to uh, S&M clubs. I don't think so much of that shows up in the Candyman series. Um but then again, the original Candyman short story is pretty different from this movie. So let me tell you about the original short story. It was published in 1985 in a publication called Fantasy Tales. It was called The Forbidden. And here, i got to send you guys... There's actually a picture from that magazine of the original Candyman. And I want to send you guys this picture. And then I want you to describe to the listener... <laughs> What the original Candyman looked like, because he wasn't—he wasn't black. He was—he was a white guy. Because the original story is set in Liverpool. All right, I'm sending the image. Let me know when you get it. And and describe to me what you see. Oh, it looks like me when I haven't taken a shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. So he's just like a. He's like a dark phantom, but he's also got like <laughs> super scraggly hair and what I assume is a beard. He's got like little little claws, almost like a velociraptor on one hand. And then he does have a hook on one hand. It's more like a, a pirate's hook. Uh, and like most of his torso and his thighs are all black. But you can see his legs have what I guess is skin on it. It doesn't look like it's in the best shape. But it's skin. And also there's a bunch of what I assume are bees flying around them. Some sort of insect. Oh yeah, there's a bit there's a big bee coming at you in the in the photo. So yes. yeah, those are bees. Don't you so, feel kinda of bad about that? Because, you know, bees they don't want to sting you. They're getting a bad rap. They could just as easily have been wasps. Yeah, bees have it pretty rough. Um, 
both in real life and in all forms of media, like B movie, where bees deserve better than this. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, really, they're so mean <laughs> to the poor bee. But like in this original story, which yeah, like I said, is set in Liverpool at um, a housing estate uh, for lower class people. Because the original story is more about um, class struggle than it is about any kind of uh, racial relations. Yeah. And it's still about a grad student named Helen who's investigating not urban legends but graffiti with this Candyman guy, and um, interviewing the people of this estate and learning about Candyman. But I, I didn't get time to, uh, to read the short story. But it, it's funny when you hear the things that it doesn't have, and you're like, "Well, what does it have?" Because I mean, he has the hook hand, he has a chest full of bees, um, but he has no history or background. There's no looking into the mirror and saying his name five times. Like, some of the coolest stuff in the Candyman lore are not in this original story. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't get a chance to read it, so I can't tell you much else about it. Uh, but a lot of what we know about Candyman actually comes from this uh, original movie. So, this is a Bernard Rose film. And this is his best-known film. I think before this, uh, he did a like indie horror avant-garde fantasy movie called Paper House, which I can't, I'm shocked I haven't picked it for Shocktober yet. Um, it's kind of like horror adjacent. It's kind of more like a Guillermo del Toro type devil's backbone kind of thing. It's about like kids and stuff. Um. But he made that. He worked for Jim Henson for a period of time on, like, Muppet Show. <laughs> and um, he directed music videos. He did the Relax, Frankie Goes to Hollywood video. Uh, don't remember that one off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's a great video. And then at some point, I guess he read this story, and then he uh, spoke to Clive Barker, and he's like, hey, can I do this? But I want to make some changes and he thought it would be more impactful if it was about prejudice and race. And he also wanted to move the story to Chicago and set it around Cabrini Green, uh, which is a real housing project. Uh, I didn't know that before the movie. Did you guys know that this was a real place, Cabrini Green? No. Uh-huh. See, Sean knows. Sean. Did you know anything other than it was a real place, Sean? Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, you know it's it's famous for being like the worst place in Chicago, the poorest, most desperate you know housing project in the whole city, uh, and it's got that weird thing where it's also just surrounded by affluent neighborhoods, so it's just this like you know gaping sore on the city that I think has has attracted a lot of. Uh, media attention over over the decades i know that uh one of the kids from hoop dreams lived in cabrini green i I forgot that wow um and and i want to say the movie hardball the keanu reeves movie is you're you're correct i was i was looking up some other media that had cabrini green that's that's because yeah it was uh they built it in the 40s and it lasted until i think 2004 but yeah, I mean, this place was just like, I think it, it was so like tall too, and there's so many parts that weren't easily accessible. So there's just crime nonstop. Like there's a huge section on the Wikipedia page, just like of all the crimes that happened there, and it's crazy. So um, pretty intense place to set your story. 
uh, even crazier, all the um, like hallway sequences and like exteriors they actually filmed at Cabrini Green, um, and they had to get like permission from like gang leaders to go to certain parts. So pretty sketchy, but pretty um, Ooh, so interesting that's location. The, that makes this the second uh, the pick movie we've watched where uh, some of it was shot with gang protection because well, yeah, Training Day training also training had some day. some that one neighborhood in L.A. Oh, where wow. they had to get gang protection to film in. That's so scary. And the two other pieces of media that I wrote down are also set at Caprini Green are Good Times and the PJs. Oh, <laughs> wow. The PJs? Yeah. With Eddie Murphy? Yep. Weirdo fun fact, Eddie Murphy was considered for the role of Candyman, which I don't believe. <laughs> you, you can read that in multiple places, but come on. Are we serious? Eddie Murphy's the candy man. It's hard to believe he was a vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> That's a serious. There's nothing funny about that performance, but yeah. I thought that I had read um, that that um, the original screenplay had more of a romance between Helen and Candyman. Like it was like there was an actual seduction instead of just like an evil possession plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's probably true. In fact, that it, it's funny because I, I we gotta bring up at least to some extent that there are certain aspects of this movie that are still seen as somewhat problematic. And I, I rewatched that documentary horror noir, um, a history of black horror, which is a documentary on Shudder, which has been a little pick in the past. And they yeah they kind of talk about how like oh this movie's great Tony Todd's great. Uh, but the whole him lusting after this white woman and being obsessed with this white woman, like it is still kind of a stereotype. It is still kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if maybe that's why they kind of shifted it away from a romance plot, if that was in the original script. Um, I know Bernard Rose even went to the NAACP to be like, is this okay? I'm not being insensitive <laughs> here. He's that paranoid about, you know, this being insensitive. And they, they liked it. Like, hey, this... this I believe the quote on Wikipedia is like, hey, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> it is crazy to take this uh, this script to a distinguished organization like the NAACP, and they're like, hey, I like this. This is fun. This uh, this boogeyman slasher film. <laughs> I mean, it's um, just like, what are they going to say? I mean, it's not that grounded in reality. And and to be fair, like it, it does feel like it does a pretty good job of, you know, going out of its way to, to not like give in to stereotypes especially by like you know ha- having lots of other black characters in it other than Candyman like if it was just Candyman chasing this white lady around and there are just a bunch of other white characters like yeah this movie would feel pretty racist but yeah it, it no I think Bernard job. Rose admirable job and he added so much to this story I think setting in Chicago makes it so much more interesting and he of course added this Bloody Mary type hook with the (laughs) saying it five times very nice Uh, but then another huge part of developing the character was Tony Todd himself because when it came to uh, casting um, Tony Todd and Virginia Madison were pretty much given full permission to develop their their characters' backgrounds. So Tony Todd pretty much came up with the backstory to um, Candyman by himself. Mm-hmm. I think Bernard Rose probably touched it up a bit, but like that whole thing about how 
Um, he was a painter and he painted like aristocrats and, and, and rich white people in the 1870s. He fell in love with a woman. Uh, the town found out, chopped off his hand, replaced it with a hook, uh, covered him in honey and st- set bees on him and then lit him on fire. Like that's Tony talking with all that stuff, which is pretty cool. I think the only thing that they changed is he said the character's name should be Granville T. Candyman. Um, which I, I gotta say, I'm kind of disappointed. His name is it Granville T. Candyman. <laughs> I mean, it could be. It's just never <laughs> spoken like his full name. You unless, know, unless but, I do say his yeah. full name at some point. I don't know. Well, they and do I would in say the second one. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I could yeah. go for more justification for why he's called Candyman because aside from one scene where they find uh, candy laced with razor blades. There's there's not a big connection between him and Candy. Which, so that's in the um, new movie. I can't remember. Was that in the, did they have anything like that in the nineties one? As they well? did. They had some some Candy okay. with razor. I couldn't blades. remember. But I didn't even like assume that those were his. Yeah, <laughs> that's stuff they're there. laying around because you know it's a sketchy place. It's it's confusing. You know, I didn't. I w- this is the one reason I wish that I'd read the Forbidden because I would love to know if Clive Barker has any mention of why they call him Candyman in the, the original story. Because I think they do still call him Candyman, even though that story is called The Forbidden. But in this movie, they never really elaborate on why he's called Candyman. I think in Candyman 2, which is a terrible film that I watched, <laughs> I watched 2 and 3, uh, someone elaborates that when they're smearing with honey, a kid in the crowd yelled, Candyman! Like, it looks like candy, I guess, when they're pouring honey on him. Well, like that's dumb, but at least that's something. You know, <laughs> yeah, just, the Candyman is a great a name, but it's always been like until the, and this new one has done a better job, obviously making it make sense. But all the other ones, like, why the fuck is he called Candyman? I mean, Should he call it like B Hook or something? I assume it's because honey's sweet like candy, but it's like it's, it's a little. Those two things are a little disconnected. Like it could fit a little better. It, it's funny, like so, sometimes I wonder, like if all this stuff made no sense in Clive Barker's story, and then Bernard Rose is like, "How am I supposed to tie together like hooks and bees and his name being Candyman?" And like he gave it a go. Yeah. This is what we got. Um, yeah, that that's something I appreciate. It's in both these movies, but it, it's definitely more in the in the new one that, that they really lean into. Like this is an urban legend. And, um, you know, it could just, like, this could just be stuff that was, like, made up and added onto it and tacked on. And it could be other urban legends that have all kind of morphed into one, uh, you know, amorphous blob of, uh, of a monster. Uh, as opposed to, you know, a clean, uh, straightforward mythology for one guy. Which, uh, which helps them get away with, like, he can fly and he has bees <laughs> coming out of him and a hook and mirror magic it's it's a series that almost rewards like inconsistencies because it, it can just be like well you know the legend's always changing depending on who you ask you know things are yeah. different yeah yeah that's like my one issue with this movie it's just like i was never very sure what the rules of Candyman are like even just like no yeah who who can see him like when he shows up to kill people can everybody see him are there only certain people that he can kill when he shows up like it just 
yeah it's, it's, it's really confusing especially there's one scene where um virginia madsen is in the hospital um and Candyman comes in mm-hmm. uh and starts like cutting on her um, yeah. and then we see like security footage of that same scene yeah and the events that happened in that we saw before with Candyman play out in a different order when it's on the security camera footage. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost like she's in another reality <laughs> from the one where, where the, when the Candyman got her. Yeah, yeah. This this is an ongoing debate online, and we're it sounds like we're we haven't even started getting into the rest of the movie. We're into this now, yeah. where people are like. Is Candyman ever actually a real, tangible, physical presence? Or is he more of yeah. just kind of in Virginia Madsen, in Helen's mind, or like possessing her? Um, and the movie's like, mm-hmm. well, you figured it out. But I feel like there, it's, there's, still, there's too many inconsistencies to ever really just choose one path. Like, and I don't know. He, Maybe that's intentional. How is he killing other people if... <laughs> He's only in her mind. Does she just assume that those people are dead to her now, even though they're not? I don't. Well, I, I guess if he possessed her, Casper style, yeah, jumped into her body, <laughs> and then she killed him because she's possessed by him. It, mm-hmm. it would make so much more sense if Candyman just did it. But I feel like they're also trying to lead you to believe, like, but is he even there at all? Uh, so but, who knows? but there's the scene where she's looking at the photos. Mm-hmm. And she sees Candyman is in the photo. Yes, but is but does anyone else see that photo but her? No. You know what I'm saying? Because Candyman is only in scenes with Helen. Just something to think about. Well, you know, we'll, maybe we'll touch on it again. Let's go through a little bit of the the story, uh, guys. First, I got to talk about these sweet overhead tracking credits sweet helicopter footage of Chicago. Um, I'm not really sure why they chose this like shot, what it's supposed to convey, other than like, this is Chicago. This is where the movie is. Check it out. This is what it looks like. It's it's pretty badass. I, w- I wasn't even sure, of, like, is this paying homage to like, some other movie? Did Hitchcock ever do something like this? I don't know. It's cool, though. Um, but if we're talking about these opening credits, I have to talk about this music. I'm sure you guys saw who does the music to this movie. Yeah. Yes. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm not confident in this, but I feel like the tracking shot starts um, in a really urban part of Chicago and then works its way out into the projects. That would, Maybe that would I'm make wrong. sense. So I, th- I think it's trying to convey again that idea that, like this, it's right there. It's in the city. I'll have to go check it out again. People you can watch this opening scene. Other. It's all over YouTube because people just like to dig on that that score and that uh, that's that imagery. Score. Oh, I so should bring Philip up Glass, right? It's Philip Glass, who you know, obviously, he's done a lot of documentaries. I didn't. I've seen this movie before, but somehow I forgot. Like, I, I didn't realize he did a lot of narrative films. I was kind of looking at his career, and it's kind of all over the place. Not as many like prestige narrative films as you'd expect a lot lot more documentaries and then this but then even this i was reading an interview with him where he was saying you know i thought this was going to be like a really classy really smart movie and then i saw it and it made me sick (laughs) oh man come on phil but then but then here's some bullshit you know who does the score to Candyman 2? Philip Glass. 
He's like one of the few people that came back to work on the second one. It's like, I thought you hated this. And then I read another interview that was from recent years and where he kind of like lightened up on Candyman because he's like, well, I get checks from it every year. <laughs> so it's too bad because like it's such a good score. In particular, that one recurring theme, which I think is called Helen's theme. Sometimes it's called Music Box. You know, it's the one they used. They use it a lot in the new movie, too. Mm-hmm. That da-da-da-da-da-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And I'm just like, why is this not more famous than it is? This is such a great score. Um, very operatic. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a, a more classic, more like classical Danny Elfman or something. <laughs> Remind me of something like that. Oh, I should also bring up the cinematography is by Anthony Richman, who was Nicholas Rogue's go-to guy in the 70s. He did uh, Don't Look Now and Man Who Fell to Earth. So, some some cool people. Oh, yeah, get that cool shot. Get a wall of bees. Uh, fun fact about the bees. They were all bred for this film because they needed young bees because uh, their stingers wouldn't sting as bad, uh, which is important because Virginia Madsen is deathly allergic to bees. So... Oh my god. Must have been pretty rough doing that scene. I can't remember the exact quote, but there's some exchange where she's like telling Bernard Rose, like, I'm allergic to bees. He's like, No, you're not. You're just afraid. Well, it's like, Yeah, because she's allergic to bees. (laughs) So, a a nice microcosm of how (laughs) directors treat their actresses. It's unfortunate. So, really, the only precaution they had is they just had an on set paramedic, like, watching real close in case he needed to rush in. She got stung. And I, I think Tony Todd had it in his contract that he got $1,000 for every time he got stung. <laughs> and over the nice. course of the, th- the three movies, he got stung 26 times. So. That's honestly not that bad for having had a mouthful of bees. I, I can't believe he put bees in his mouth. <laughs> How do you do that? I kept wondering, like, what's the trick here? It's like, no, they just did it. They just put bees in his mouth. They sprayed pheromone all over their bodies and just put bees everywhere. Holy shit. Uh, It's pretty scary. Um, So Wallabies, some creepy narration from Tony Todd. I think a lot of his, like, poetic kind of lines are lines from the book. So another thing that the book gave us that's pretty cool is all his, like, I'm the writing on the wall and blood must be shed. All that cool stuff is from Clive Barker. Yeah, that line is dumb though. <laughs> what is blood, blood for if not to be shed or something like that? It's like, or it's, like, it's, like it, blood exists for it to be shed. I can't remember yeah, the exact wording, but it's, it's it's vital to the operations of your body. It's no, nah, it's simple. it's just there to to get all. <laughs> it's goofy. not our our juicy filling that needs to be spilled. <laughs> uh, okay, and then something I forgot about. Um, while I was clicking my notes. Is that after that, one of the first scenes is Helen kind of giving the audience like a taste of how the Candyman story works by telling a story that has Ted Raimi in it. Oh, yeah. Sam Raimi's brother. I thought it was Sam Raimi for a second, but then I was like, nah, this doesn't look quite right. I mean, they do look alike. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is weird to see Ted Raimi in anything that's not made by Sam Raimi because it's like, so what? Is, is someone on set like friends of Sam? Why is Ted Raimi in this? Playing like a dude in a leather jacket. He's like, is this guy in high school or something? Just a horror guy, I guess. This guy's got to be like 38 this, By the way, old. this is yet another movie that doesn't know what the difference is between college and high school. <laughs> because 
Xander Berkeley's teaching a class and a bell rings, which doesn't happen. <laughs> have it in my notes. Have it in my notes. <laughs> and then he goes, that's lunch, everybody, which also doesn't happen in college. <laughs> the college bell goes off. Everyone takes lunch. Yep. It's funny how people grow up and then they forget what it was like to be young. <laughs> and I, am I, so, John, if, it's, if this is in your notes, I believe there's also a hallway full of lockers in this college. Yes, there is. What, <laughs> what the fuck is that? Uh, you know, it's your college, uh, it's where you put your diplomas and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So we all do. <laughs> we wait for the, the day we graduate so we can put our diploma in the college lockers. Or you put your high school uh, diploma in there, just in case anyone's like, hey, <laughs> hey to see some you belong here? you graduated from high school to get into this class. Oh, here's my proof. Okay, have a tranquil evening. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, we meet Virginia Madsen. She's playing Helen, and she's working on a thesis about uh, the, I guess specifically about the residents of Cabrini Green and how they use this Candyman legend to kind of uh, process their own pain. And she's working on it with her friend and colleague, Bernadette, who's played by Casey Lemons, who went on to be a director herself. She directed Talk to Me and Harriet and Eve's Bayou. Which is kind of a horror movie, so we'll probably be talking about it when we do Shocktober. <laughs> it's all connected. Whoa. Didn't know that. Have yeah. Heard, have no, we had to, we're all the way down to kind of horror movie. <laughs> well, you know, there's that, I, 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 I referenced earlier that documentary, um, Horror Noir, and they talk about Eve's Bayou and that, so I, I guess it must be a seminal film. Um, so yeah, that's probably one to check out. It's just cool that she went on to direct this kind of influential sort of thriller, but she's also in Candyman. And then we also meet early on Trevor, who's Xander Berkeley, who's an actor. I like know the name, but I'm like, and I see his credits, and I'm like, I know a lot of these projects, but I don't recognize him very well. Do you guys? Is there something you associate Xander Berkeley with? Yeah, twenty four. Twenty four. He must have been more pivotal to the early seasons that I didn't see. That is that is correct? Is that true? That's correct. That is correct. He has to tragically kill himself uh, in probably season three. Okay. Yeah, I def- I don't remember when I started watching. It was later. Tony Todd, of course, later on twenty four. I think he was on one of the special like movies. It was like twenty four oh. Redemption or something. Yeah. Live another day was the other one. Right? That's one of the. I feel like twenty four is like one of those things like ER. It's like everybody was on this at some point. There's just certain yeah. shows where everybody. Was I know on Casey it. Lemons is on ER. I bet. I, 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 ER. I kind of want that to be like a thing now, where every movie we we do, I want you to tell me who's who's on been on ER, who's in the movie we're talking about. So I'm glad to hear we got one. Yep, there he is, Detective Wilson, 1998, Xander Berkeley, ER. <laughs> <laughs> How about Vanessa Williams? Vanessa Williams looks so good in the new Candyman. Yeah, Vanessa Williams, one of the uh, few, not to be confused with the other Vanessa Williams, the model Vanessa Williams, even though they're the exact same age. This Vanessa Williams was like in uh, New Jack City. I think like Melrose Place. She plays Anne-Marie McCoy. Uh, but yeah, she's good. Uh, but But Trevor... He teaches a class, I guess, about urban legends or, or, or folklore. 
uh, they're talking about that story about people flushing like baby alligators down the toilet. And one person's like, oh, I heard that happened in New York. Another person's like, oh, I heard that happened in Florida. And see, that's the thing. It's like, depending on who you ask, the story changes, you know? Depending on who's telling the story, it, it adapts and changes. It's a recurring thing in the movie. It's important. Uh, and then the college belt goes off. Um, um, so they are semiotics majors. Semiotics, okay. I, I'm not sure what that is. What the, is that? The study of uh, signs. So like how a sign is defined, what the meaning is that that sign conveys, uh, how, how people interpret signs. Oh, wait, you know, I just remembered I know Tre- this Trevor guy from Xander Berkeley. You remember he, he was the, the shitty dad in Terminator 2 who drinks the milk out of the car? Oh, yeah, that guy. And yeah. gets stabbed? Man, he had a good run as, like, a shitty hus- like shitty schlubby <laughs> husbands in the early 90s. Because yeah. that, that's like the year before this. Think what Man, I. This is a way bigger role than that. What I recognize him from is the villain from Shanghai Noon. Really? <laughs> yep. This guy's prolific. This is and one of those actors also, you, you gotta watch out for. He could like show up in the background on picks and we don't even know it. Well, speaking of, he's also uh, one of those like nerd scientists, I think. In The Rock, another Tony Todd movie. Fuck. I had to do my homework. The Rock's apparently got a lot of people in it. Okay, so Helen and Bernadette go to Cabrini Green because earlier they they, t- they spoke to some cleaning ladies who tell a story about a woman named Ruthie who was supposedly murdered by the Candyman at Cabrini Green. And supposedly lots yeah. of people over the years have been murdered at Cabrini Green by Candyman. Here we get some of those great shots actually filmed at Cabrini Green. Um... The actual apartments, I'm pretty sure, are sets because some of them are insane. Especially that shrine to Candyman room where, like, you enter through his mouth. Yeah. Uh, which I, I think that's another. So I we we brought up the opening credits, which have that the great uh, like uh, meta level glimpse at Chicago architecture. But I also think this one and the the new one are both great at having really interesting and fun to look at sets. Uh, Specifically, I'm thinking these apartments, but um, you know, there's, there's a creepy hospital and stuff too. That's a little, little more you know, cliche for the genre. But I loved, um, you know, like like Helen's apartment was gorgeous and it had that huge window looking out on the ghetto, uh, which is uh, creepy and ominous, um, and also just a, a, a strong illustration of her privilege. Uh, and then the, those those apartments in Cabrini Green are so gross and creepy. Um, with the exception of Anne Marie's apartment, which is just like a nice home, uh, which is you know in stark juxtaposition to everything else you see, that she's just got, um, she's just a normal person trying to live her life in this haunted place. Yeah, kind of an example that not everyone who lives at Cabrini Green is like a gang person or like addicted <laughs> yeah. to drugs. Some are just hardworking people, and she's just trying to raise her her baby Anthony. And I don't think it's much of a spoiler that Anthony. Is the character in the new movie? Oh my god, it's a sequel. It's a surprise to what? me. Oh shit! Let's <laughs> say his name in the in the trailer to the new one. Yeah. It's well, not. It's not supposed to be like a spoiler. I watched the trailer before I saw this one, but yes, that is not a spoiler. So yeah, I, I'm perfectly yeah. okay with knowing that information, and that is cool. The, the new movie, yeah, Yaya Abdul Mateen is playing 
uh, adult Anthony. So he doesn't remember any of this shit. Yeah. The big I mean, baby. even even from Vanessa Williams' uh, viewpoint, she would only she only knows what happened that day with the fire. She didn't. She never saw Candyman or anything in the original movie. Well, she also knows what happened that day that the lady killed her dog. Yeah, she knows better than we do, actually, because we didn't really see what happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. There's a scene where there's a fat professor who tells the story of Candyman. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Why not? Oh, he's such a pretentious douchebag. Sean, how would I tell you if this? If, how would you feel if I told you this guy's also the second one? <laughs> this guy they bring back. The opening scene of the second movie is him. Um, at like a bookstore because he's promoting a book about Candyman telling the story of Candyman. He fucking stole their research. He's like, I already wrote a paper ten years ago, so I don't give a fuck. But then here's what he does. People are like, then say it. So he says it into a mirror. Nothing happens. (laughs) He goes to a bar. He goes to the bathroom. He gets fucking killed. (laughs) Good. So... Yeah, that guy does feel... Uh, I guess there's something, something douchey about that guy. He's like, oh, I know all about it. Speaking of, I'm looking at the cast and we keep saying that guy. The kid in this, the actor who plays him, his name is Dewan Guy. Dewan the guy? one guy. The one guy. His one name guy. is The One Guy. That's such a good name. Dewan Guy, very good in this movie as Jake, a little boy who lives at Cabrini Green who guides Helen around. I read that he went to the premiere of the movie, um, but got so scared after the opening credits that he's like, can you only bring me into the movie when it's my scenes? I don't want to see any of the scary stuff. That's fair. Aww. None of his scenes That's are adorable. that scary. <laughs> That's just kind of yeah. scary. At the he's end. great. He's really good. Yeah. And he um, tells Helen about how there's like that one uh, like restroom nearby where like supposedly Candyman lives and like mutilated a kid there so Helen goes to check that out and the turtlet's full of bees yeah <laughs> Come how? who is like I'm gonna look in this disgusting toilet she lifts She's the lid she clues. could have not she could have not but she She's did and of course clues. it's disgusting well Sean if you entered a gross bathroom and you heard a mysterious noise coming from a turtlet wouldn't you be like kind of curious what's in the toilet? Yeah, I would, but I would fight that urge and leave. <laughs> I'm not gonna I, look in the toilet. I guess, I guess chances are low it's gonna be anything good, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, ten thousand dollars. It's most likely going to be like rats or bugs or bees, lots of bees. And Helen is confronted by a uh, a gang leader. Well, I think he's like holding a hook or something, right? He's like, yeah, he's, he's pretending to be the Candyman, and they beat her he's, up. He's he's got the look down for someone who's never actually seen Candyman. Like he's got the coat, he's oh, got yeah. the hook. He's scary. He beats her up, and then we get one of those scenes. I like. I, there's not enough movies with scenes where there's guys in police lineups that have to say lines. <laughs> I don't know why I always find that interesting. It's just fun. We get one of those. I, there's this unusual suspect. See, I can't start another letterbox list with just two movies. I have too many of those. I need to find a third movie that does this. Can you guys go and like my list of movies where two characters go somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> of course. I didn't know it's, that was a thing. It hasn't gotten any likes yet, but I think it's pretty good. That sounds fantastic, Sean. I would gladly give that a like. Everyone listening to this, if you're at this point... Go give that a like. Yeah, I did actually see that. I just 
forgot that liking lists was a thing. <laughs> what was it? It was it, it, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle and Bar and whoever go to Vista Del Mar. Yeah, I oh, have a very stuff, strict rule stuff. of it's got to be two names go to somewhere. Yeah, that's so good. There's not like there's that. not a, not a ton of movies, I think but there is. I I did on t- on a technicality. I let in Drake and Josh go Hollywood <laughs> because they do go to Hollywood. Although I'm I'm a little iffy on it. Uh, I might take it out later. So depending on on when you hear this, yeah. but I'm up to, I'm up to ten films on this list. It's I bet it's the most comprehensive list of movies where two characters go somewhere on the internet right now. Yeah, I mean it's it's specific enough, so you might you might have that. It's not bad. <laughs> Um, I'll definitely go like that later. Uh, okay, so something I definitely overlooked is earlier we do get Helen and Bernadette doing the Candyman chant into a mirror. Yeah. And of course, they're not afraid because they do it. And in the legend, he's supposed to pop up right after you say it. But of course, legends change. They're not always 100% right. So in this case, it doesn't happen right away, but it does happen eventually when Helen's in that parking lot and we get our first scene of Candyman. how are we feeling about this first scene of tony todd as the candy man well okay so i mean you're kind of there's, there's kind of two things going on here okay uh i i think one part of it is do we care about the inconsistency of what happens when you say Candyman in the mirror five times because she says it and then later he shows up and he starts this whole possession thing but other people say it and then just die. I mean, it depends. It, that's kind of something that changes from movie to movie. Isn't it when you say it's consistent in this movie because you only see Helen do it? I don't think you well, see anyone you, else do it. Well, you see Trevor do it at the end of the movie. But it's, yeah. it's just, just a twist well, of it. That's, that's the Helen curse. It works differently than the Katie <laughs> Man curse. I'm okay with it because I like the idea that, like, you know, they say that these urban legends go a specific way, but of course, you know, like a game of telephone, things get lost in translation. And in this case, you know, Candyman doesn't show up right away. He shows up when he's ready to show up. Um, he does this weird thing. And I wonder if, like, maybe he doesn't even always have the same intention. Because in the story, he kills you, but it seems like his intent for Helen is more so that he's pissed that she's trying to disprove him where his whole shtick is I need people to know that I exist and I need people to die to continue my legacy and people continue to remember me yeah I mean it seems like he's like up to the very end of the movie he's still like not quite sure what he's doing he's gonna make it up his plan as it goes yeah I think there's a good argument to be made that the rules of Candyman are a little shaky but I think at least it works pretty well for this movie because it's mainly just focused on Helen's experience with the Candyman. If it was focused on a bunch of people experiencing the Candyman, um, I don't know, maybe it'd be a little trickier. Yeah. I, I don't know, would yeah, you say yeah. the new movie handles that better? That element of the story? Well, too it, much? It's, it's, it's more consistent, but also I think it goes against the message the movie's trying to convey. So um, I, I would say now that you've made me reconsider and i and i think you're right i I think helen is the only one who says candy man in the mirror five times that actually yeah 
then it is internally fine as long as it's the everything's contained to just this one movie um and and yeah so he's just he's just haunting her and, and killing people around her for fun and let's talk I'm about into it. let's talk about came in this first scene guys he yeah looks incredible he has an amazing <laughs> coat I did point out, or I did see someone point out online, which is a good point. It's like, well, he didn't die with that coat. Where did he get that great coat? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't care. Wait, wait, wait. It's, do it's we badass. know how how he? So maybe I'm, I'm again getting confused with the remake. Yes. So in this one, Candyman is just the painter who got killed in that horrific way. Yes. Uh, more than a hundred years ago. Yes. So he's just he's just that guy. Okay. He's the first Candyman. Daniel Robitaille, which is the name he's given in the second movie, which somehow, for some reason, that becomes canon, even though nothing else in the sequels is canon. Just that one thing. It's like, well, he's got a name now. This is his name. It's Daniel Robitaille, the Candyman. Because they didn't have the guts to call him Granville T. Candyman. But yeah, he's got a cool vocal. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is Tony Todd has a great voice, and they do a cool vocal effect where he's, you know, 400 yards away from her, just to- totally across this parking garage, but, uh, you know, like speaking right up in our ears. Going, Helen, Helen. And then he always has this cool, like, poetic, almost Shakespearean line delivery that he does, which is oh so cool. He's, he's just such a great presence. I gotta take a minute here to call out Gene Siskel's shitty review that I watched of this movie on at the movies, the YouTube clip, where he said Tony Todd looks like a pimp, which is a really weird thing to say, and I don't know how that is like a knock against the movie. But also, he said there's too much Candyman in this movie. Oh, it's just a bunch of blood and guts. Hmm. Okay, okay. You you know how, at what point we're in the movie? We're 45 minutes in when we first see Candyman. It's all just suggestion up to that point and talking about him. So we don't yeah. see him too much. This movie is gory, so if you want to complain about the gore, you can complain about the there gore. There is a lot of blood and guts, but there's, there's not It's that a much very candy gross man. movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, Roger Ebert thought it was a lot of fun, though. He liked it. <laughs> just like the... <laughs> I like how many people are like, hey, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people like, some people are like deeply offended by this movie, and some people are like, I don't know, it's just fun. It's a slasher movie. And I think, you know, I don't want to like come to my conclusion yet but yeah like this movie for me it's like it's just like a slasher movie where they really thought about it so it's a little it's a, it's a you know it's a tier above your average slasher movie mm-hmm. but it's still let, a slasher let me movie. ask you guys something though about Candyman's appearance since we brought it up mm-hmm. does it bother you that they're doing the thing where they put a prosthetic nub over his hand and then a hook on top of that so his right arm becomes like two feet longer than his <laughs> left arm no, it never bothered me because I was always more concentrating on the fact that his nub is always bloody, and that's cool. Well, yeah, he, he, it's he, it's still fresh for some reason. Yeah, but I like that. And so, yeah, I wasn't even really looking at the length of the nub. I was more just like, yeah, he's, he's dripping all over the place. I think they were aware of that to an extent, so I think they shoot it well most of the time. That like, either they try to like, you just get glimpses of it, so you don't. At least I didn't notice it as much. Um, he's usually got his hand, he's got his hand behind his back a lot too. So, 
I think for the most part they cleverly shoot around yeah, the fact that <laughs> it looks a little silly. I, I mean, that's probably why they give him such a big coat, right? She's like, well, let's give him a coat so he can kind of hide the hook a little bit mm-hmm. instead yeah, of I, I, being naked and hairy or whatever in that original story. <laughs> I think it's just another one where because I saw the, the new one first, um, I noticed in the new one they gave Candyman a very long hook. And I think that's because now with modern CGI, they can just like replace out his hand and put a hook mm. there. But they want it to be consistent with that, like how far away that hook can reach from him. So to make up for it, they gave him a very, very long hook. I wonder if it would have been better if they'd given him the the forbidden Captain Hook with all the clamps from that illustration we looked at, if they gave him that look. I think it's a little silly, though. That, yeah. that would look silly. I like the hook they give him in this. Yeah, okay. he's got a nice like jagged hook, which also lines up with the story, right? Because, like in theory, Captain Hook is given that hook because it's a prosthetic that helps him live his life yes. as a man with one hand, yes. versus uh, our Candyman guy who was just had something they had his, they chopped his arm off and then jabbed something in there to, to to torture him. It's not they're not giving him a prosthetic. It's a big mistake that they put a weapon in there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think those racists were, had a lot of good ideas. <laughs> um, so yeah, Candyman confronts Helen, um, and uh, he hypnotizes her, and she wakes up in Anne Marie's apartment, and we get the dog head. The dog has been decapitated, and baby Anthony is missing. And Helen's covered in blood, and of course, the first thing she does is pick up a big old knife she finds on the floor. As he do. Yeah. It's like, oh shit. And it's like, this kind of reminded me of like, this is like a Hitchcock, like the wrong man kind of movie where it's like an innocent person, supposedly. Um, it's like, oh no, now everyone thinks you're a murderer. But it's like, this is going to be so hard to convince anybody that you're not a murderer in this scenario. This is pretty bad. Because yeah. uh, she seems really guilty. And maybe she is. Because we never really know. Was it Helen? Or is it the candy? So, John, uh, you and I are people who don't like to see animals get killed in, yes. in movies. Yes. Did it help you? Because it definitely helped me that we basically didn't really see this dog when it was alive. And then it's like it's clearly just like a, a puppet head. Yes, when, when I, I absolutely dead. felt that the same way. Whereas, like, the dog only had, like, one scene where it's barking at some people earlier. I, I'd, I'd totally forgotten there was a dog. Where if we'd had a scene where, like... Helen was feeding the dog and is like, oh, what's his name? Like that kind of scene. <laughs> I would have been devastated. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, one of my all-time favorite movies is The Thing, and I still find that dog scene in the kennel incredibly hard to watch because we do get to see some of those dogs before that. And then they're suddenly being attacked by The Thing. Yeah, I, I don't appreciate your implication that I enjoy watching animals <laughs> get hurt on screen. Oh, that's not... That's, I didn't mean to imply that. I just meant uh, you're... I, I know that it's something that... God, I love it. ...will stop John and just me from watching those stuff. animals just, just squirm, get their heads chopped off, all that blood. Yeah. I mean, I still... I'm still not willing to watch Okia. So, that's where I'm at. Hmm. It's the reason I'm never gonna watch White Dog. I watched like ten That's minutes, true. and I was like, "Oh no, what, yeah, White God." And I was like, "No, no, 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 no." You know the one with like the army of dogs? Yeah. 
But don't the dogs, yeah, like, see. get revenge? <laughs> they mm-hmm. do, but you know there's going to be some casualties. Probably, yeah. It just sounds sad. It's also why I won't see Marley and me. Ever. <laughs> well, probably not missing that much there. <laughs> oh, never going to be a pick. Can we, like, put that in, like, it? you can't pick it? Marley and me. Not really that tempted. <laughs> like, you make a rule where you can't. So I'll never be able to 100% own Wilson's career because I'm not going to watch Marley and me. But we have to, we all have to make sacrifices in life. Yeah. Just so, like Marley did. Just like Marley did. So Helen goes to jail. She's interrogated. Uh, strip search, all that stuff. Um, she tries to call Trevor that one night, and he ain't there. Because he's yeah, up even to though it's 3 a.m., Big Apple, 3 a.m., guys, and he's not yeah. home. You mean Windy City, 3 a.m.? Windy City, 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's too windy. What would um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles equivalent in Chicago be? It wouldn't just be Windy City. No, I'm saying, like, if if New York has Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, ah. Chicago has Middle Age. Bears. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what animals cop bears. You equate with uh, Chicago, but at the same time, turtles aren't really native. I just think of the Chicago bears. Yeah, I think of, I, for some reason you said like, "What do you think of?" And I immediately thought of the super fans from SNL. Yeah, well, I mean, they've got the Cubs <laughs> and the Bears, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. just a bunch of bears that are like like those guys. Mm-hmm. And I went with cops, so the middle-aged cop bears would be my Chicago equivalent <laughs> middle-aged to the Teenage bears. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, I gotta have an equivalent to mutant. Um, they still uh, they still eat pizza, but it's deep dish. How about freak? <laughs> the, the middle-aged freak cop bear. <laughs> That sucks. There's too many single syllable words, sweetie. Middle-aged freak freak bears. What about middle-aged... It's so hard to say middle-aged even. It's hard to get past that part. Middle-aged freaky. No, I forgot there's a ninja. What do we... Cops. Cops. Teenage Mutant Ninja. Middle-aged freaky... Cop, maybe police, police officer. <laughs> no, that's more syllables. I, I just feel like we're putting weight. This doesn't deserve this much time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna get this any better. I think it's as good as it's gonna get. These this yeah, uh, bear guys have to settle for middle aged freaky cop bears. <laughs> <laughs> Please submit your fan art. Yeah, <laughs> love to see that. Um, Helen gets bailed out by Trevor. Eventually. Um, After she has like, another toilet nightmare. I don't remember the second toilet nightmare. Is it also B-related? She's, like, looking into the toilet as she flushes something, and it's, I think it turns into the, the scary mouth graffiti, and she sees the baby. Oof. Where's that baby? Maybe he's having a baby's that day baby? out. That's... Uh, like a dark side of the legal system that you get to see in this too where uh, her lawyer tells her that um, the police aren't pressing charges yet because they're expecting to find the baby dead Ugh. so they're waiting to yeah, charge yeah. her 
until that happens. It's fucked, dude. You know, this is fucked. I feel like Helen goes back to her apartment and runs into Candyman again pretty soon after she gets out. I don't remember a lot in between where she runs into him again. And then, of course, every time she runs into him and he does his spiel, she passes out. And I think that next time she wakes up next to Bernadette's body. Yeah, um, well, this time she knows what's going to happen. So she's like, Bernadette, go, don't come in. Yeah. But she does. And she gets killed. Uh, so they got to kick it up a notch. And they send um, Helen to a, like an asylum, basically, a mental institution. And at this point, it's like, yeah, it was, it was hard enough to convince people that, like, yeah, I didn't do this. Now you definitely can't, so... What where, what is the way out of this? Like, and I totally I totally f- forgotten this movie. I hadn't seen it in so many years. So I was like, I do not know how you get out of this situation. Uh, spoiler: You don't really. <laughs> um, but a month passes, and there's that scene where she's being interviewed with a doctor. And I think we talked about this earlier, where like Candyman appears and frees her from her restraints, and then kills the doctor. And that's like the one scene where it's like, well, how. Candyman has to exist, right? Because how would Helen have gotten free and then killed that dude? It's all in I wish mind. they'd almost done it in a way to make it seem like, oh, well, maybe she if she'd done this, it would have made more sense. Um, but I don't know. Likes to keep you guessing. Well, meanwhile, Trevor, because he's shitty, is dating one of his students. Oh, so yeah. he fucking sucks. God, first he drinks the milk out of the carton in Terminator 2, and now this. <laughs> what a piece Dude. of shit. So, um, like, I think it's supposed to be, like, one of the slasher film rules. It's like, you, you gotta, they a character has to have, like, a moral failing to get slashed. Right? Like, like, like they have they, sure. they have sex, so they get killed. Yeah, kind of an unwritten They do drugs, yeah. so they get killed. Do you think it's interesting that so many of the people that get killed in this do nothing wrong? Um, yeah, that is interesting point. That is, that is interesting. I mean, this movie kind of takes a different spin where, like, Helen's, the, like, your protagonist, like, kind of becomes your killer. So it's kind of like a different, I mean, it's still a slasher movie, but it's, it's almost different entirely. Uh, because of how it's framed but no I do find that interesting yeah she doesn't kill people who like deserve to be killed she kills like innocent people like her friend and a dog um uh real bummer real bummer this, this movie real bummer yeah. <laughs> um yeah Helen finds out about this affair when she breaks out takes a, a nurse's uniform and then heads back to the apartment um and then yeah, there's like basically nothing left to do but like make a deal with Candyman, try to figure this shit out. So she yeah, goes, which has been what what Candyman's been saying all along. Yeah, he's like he's gonna he's gonna make it so you you just want to die anyway. Um, he says like he's gonna make her immortal, like join me in immortality. Basically, like you know, keep the legend alive, continue to scare people like I do. Yeah. Um, because she was so because he didn't like that she was trying to teach people to not believe in this shit so he's like oh yeah well now you have to be part of the shit you have to be the scary shit um, so she meets this, uh, Candyman in that creepy ass shrine and uh, 
they make a deal and then they celebrate with bees, I guess. And that's his thing. Yeah. Know. Big bee kiss. Yeah, big bee kiss. Bees flying out of his chest. Bees everywhere. Um, dang, man. But then you get the big reveal. Well, baby Anthony? What would you reject? No, of, of the, the portrait. Oh, of, of Helen? Yeah. Now she looked like his old lover. Oh, yeah. Not she looks that. like the the guy that... The lady that, that the guy got... You see, it's confusing after you've watched the sequels, because in every other Candyman, in 2 and 3, it's always a white blonde woman, and they're always like, you look just like Candyman's old lover. So I guess I forgot that after watching the other two, because I'm like, they always do this. <laughs> Except, in I think in the third one, it's like, you're Candyman's descendant, even though you're a white blonde lady. <laughs> like oh um but yeah yeah so helen's like his old lover from the 1870s um and yeah she makes a steal that she'll give herself over to Candyman if he gives back uh baby anthony in return um he's like all right uh but then he puts uh baby anthony like shows up in this big like pile of junk uh in the middle of cabrini green so helen has to like sift through all this like wreckage and garbage to get to the baby and then jake notices like because there's one part where she like grabs something that looks like a hook to push some stuff out of the way so he sees like a hook coming out of the pile so he gets all the other residents and they start to you know they get a bunch of fire and like in gas and they they start burning the pile because they think candy man's in there yeah so then helen is just making her way through the fire and gets the baby and then like crawls out and it burns her hair off and basically burns her to death um but Marie's there and she basically does see that like oh this I don't know what Helen's deal is but she is she did save my baby I guess uh not a great end for Helen but there wasn't yes. really any other way out uh, of the situation a lot of rough stuff happens to her she gets like pummeled in the head at first so that her eyes like red and then she gets stabbed oh. and then she ultimately Gets lit on fire. Well, you shouldn't have said the name five times in the mirror. Yeah, I guess that's the lesson. (laughs) You said a bad sentence, so you get brutally (laughs) harmed. I like that it's five times because you don't you you don't say a name accidentally five times into a mirror. No, that's that's a choice. So you, you, you or could, is you could it? say Beetlejuice three times accidentally, but yeah, saying Candyman five times, you you're up to something. You know I saw this you're great with death. comparison of Beetlejuice and Candyman, where it was like the Virgin Beetlejuice and the Chad Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got to check this out somewhere. It's super funny. Basically, it shows how like all the rules for Beetlejuice make him seem like such a bitch, but Candyman's such a badass by comparison <laughs> for the rules required. Uh, you know, it doesn't occur to me, but Beetlejuice is the prototypical incel. <laughs> and, like he wants to like you know like be with like a little girl. Just... <laughs> a lot of creepy things about Beetlejuice. But Candyman's just classy. He's a classy he dude. He doesn't need you to say his name. But if, if you do, he'll show up eventually. He'll show up and kill all your friends and innocent people. And then <laughs> That's a guy. Yeah. 
I remember one of the things that uh, the Virgin Beetlejuice was like actually spells his name Beetle Goose. <laughs> it's pretty lame. Like almost the fact that it's got two different spellings makes him like a looser. Yeah. Okay, so we got Helen's funeral, which is only attended uh, by Trevor and his girlfriend and a few other shitty colleagues, like that fat guy that Sean hates. Ugh, just bury him alive. <laughs> in due time, in due time. But then all the residents of Cabrini Green show up, and we get that great Philip Glass score, and it swells. I'm almost like tearing up just because the music is, is so powerful at that point. And they come by Helen's grave, and they drop a hook down yeah. into the grave. She's like the Weird new move. legend. And then they also do a thing I've never seen in a movie before, where the camera just goes in and shows a shot of her dead body in the car. Oh, yeah. yeah, her like dolled up like dead body under yeah. the ground. It's like, is she like gonna wake up? Like, what is, why do yeah. we have this shot? Who does this? This is, cool. this is weird. The coffin cam. And then we got one more scare. We got Trevor sometime later at home being a sad sack of shit uh, with his okay. girlfriend. Really important question. What the fuck is his girlfriend doing? She's making when dinner. She's, when she starts making... She takes out a huge... To me, it looks like she takes out a huge slice of steak and then starts slicing it into small... Like, feed it to a dog-sized chunks. What is she doing? You see, that sounds like stew, but if she's like, I'm going to make dinner, <laughs> that's like, I'm going to make dinner. It'll be ready in seven hours. Uh, so I have no idea. I, I'm sure that was just like, okay, just prepare food. That's all that you need to do in this scene. And she's like, I don't know how to prepare food. It's like, you're just afraid. You're afraid. <laughs> That's what Bernard Rose, that's his style. Mm-hmm. Trevor's in the bathroom. He's sad. And he's just kind of looking in the mirror going, oh, Helen, Helen, Helen. Not realizing how many times he's saying Helen. And he says it five times. And he turns off the lights. And who appears in the mirror but Helen, all burned with her hook. Which is not, yeah, that's not, first of all, she looks great. Second of all, it's not consistent with the rules we established earlier. You should have to be saying, like, uh, Bernie Lady or uh, Bonfire Woman (laughs) or Baby Grabber. Um... Yeah, they didn't really establish a, a name for her. Well, maybe since, like, Candyman kind of created her, he could kind of, like, set the rules. Uh, and he's like, oh, just, we're just going to go with Helen for Yeah, her. he's like, Helen sounds good enough. Helen, yeah. Maybe they'll come up with a better nickname down the road. Except they don't. Um, yeah. Helen is mentioned quite a bit in the new movie. Um... Which is cool because there's that one part where even one of the characters like tells a version of Helen's story in that, and it's different than what we see. So kind of that whole thing about how legends change over time, depending on who tells them and you know how much time has passed or, or whatever. Uh, but that's candy. Like man. how sometimes Homer was in his 30s in the 90s and other times Homer and Marge didn't even meet until the late 90s <sighs> that's got that's such a fucking mess now yeah I hate that but it's true very sad very sad very somber note to go out on. <laughs> they should have just made them age 
It would have been so cool if they just aged. If Bart Simpson was thirty, where was it his sixties at this point? Yeah, Bart would be. So, um, so he was ten and eighty nine. So yeah, he'd be about ten years older than I am. So he'd be in his forties. That'd be weird, dude. That'd be weird. That's what he'd be saying. <laughs> That'd be weird, dude. Weird. Oh, this is this is weird, dude. It's <laughs> my adult Bart. Thank you. Sounds like Seth Rogen. <laughs> What what is going on here? This is weird, dude. <laughs> I'm aging. That's crazy. Uh, I wanna don't have a cow. I wanna man. see this. <laughs> yeah, I gotta pitch it. Pitch it to Seth. See what he thinks. Yeah. Um. So there's Candyman horror classic. Um. You know. Very much so. I'm glad that people are, are, are revisiting it because of this new one. And I'm glad that we have this new one so we can have a new movie uh, from a black perspective as well. Which is sorely missed in the earlier movies. But I still think this first one's the best. Um, I think just because it's... Even though we, we, we spoke of some of the uh, inconsistencies, I still think it it's a, a tighter film than that new one. Um, and I, I do like the new one. Quite a bit, but I, I think this this first one is still the best. I think you're right, but I've only seen those two. Uh, I mean, you, trust me, two and three are barely movies. <laughs> They're terrible. They don't. What was the uh, time gap between the sequels? First one's ninety two. Second one is like ninety six, and the third one is ninety nine, but is set in twenty twenty for no particular reason. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have, also, like, flying cars and stuff? <laughs> I think they only do it because they're like, oh, this character who's the star of the third one is the daughter of the character from the second one. And I watched them, like, back-to-back nights. I'm like, daughter? Wait, who? I don't even remember. I just watched that one. It's pointless. <laughs> There's no need to do it. Uh, it's, it's stupid as hell. You know, I won't get into it, but there's a Friday the 13th sequel that has, like, one of the characters from a previous installment who's now aged, like, 15 years. So the timeline gets fucked up. It's like, I guess this one takes place in the future. And then Like from, how yeah. the X-Men movies do the thing where every movie's set, like, 10 years later, even the actors barely aged. Yes, it's, 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 it's similar, definitely. Uh, just don't do time jumps, you guys. It's, it's, <laughs> it makes things more confusing. Seriously, yeah. Don't fuck with time. Don't fuck with time. If you are a screenwriter, hey, don't fuck with time. Don't fuck with it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You'll make some mistakes, like goofs. We got any goofs, guys, for Candyman? Did anyone come up with any goofs? Yeah, I do. I want to focus on the hospital stuff. Okay. Um, because you know, the movie set in Chicago, uh, with all the ER I've been watching, I had to focus in on that. You know, that's where my intention really peaked. And uh, you got to notice there's a part where they're trying to sedate uh, Helen after Bernadette is killed. And uh, Helen sees Candyman in the hospital. And a nurse says, get me 1,000 milliliters. And she doesn't say of what, (laughs) but 1,000 milliliters is a liter. That is a full liter, Um, which is a volume too large for... Any injection a human being could have. <laughs> Unless it's uh, Diet Coke. 
That's just what I think of when anyone says a leader. I think of like a liter of soda. Yeah. Well, it's because that's like the only stuff we measure that yeah. way. Um, and, and then a little bit later on in the um, psychiatrist's office, um, there is the scene. We, we, we've mentioned it before where um, the Candyman leaps out through a window. Um, and if you watch it in slow motion, you can see it's very clear that he is on a wire. Like, you can just see the wire yanking Tony Todd out the window, which, as a goof, I don't find particularly interesting. But as a factoid, I find great, because we've also talked about The Rock uh, on this episode, but historically we did another episode about The Rock, which means this is the second movie we reviewed on this podcast where Tony Todd gets launched out of a window. And I I have to include the goof, because that way you can, you, it's really clear he's being yanked out of the window, so he's being launched out the window. Because, of course, in the actual fiction, he's just leaping out on his own power. But with the power of the goof, I can say cleanly, he's been launched out of a window in two movies that we've reviewed. Foot of window, I guess that's why he played the Fallen <laughs> in uh, Transformers. I do like that this is good it's also our second movie in a row that has two actors who've worked together in other movies <laughs> or i guess in other movies that we've reviewed on the pick it's <laughs> a talent to mr ripley also oh, had the the contagion friends yeah yeah i'm sorry that i don't i didn't pick up on these trends ahead of time so my my pick won't won't be picking up on on any of that well maybe, maybe but, it will inadvertently you just didn't realize <laughs> But I realize I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm trying to I'm trying to segue us out of Candyman conversation when it's not necessarily over yet. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude! It's time for John's Rose Gallery. God, I love being a bad guy. Guys, we're talking Candyman. He is an evil doer. I always laugh at saying evil doer. It's just a funny thing to say. <laughs> so quaint. So I'm on the villains wiki page for Candyman guy. Uh, guys, his name's not Candyman guy. Um, this is a pretty straightforward villains wiki. Not, nothing too funny here, but I mean, it's villains wiki. It's John's Rogues Gallery. Got to do it. Uh, so let's get down to it. So we got okay, candy. But before man. before we get into that, John, I yes. just it just it just occurred to me I've never asked this. Yes. Because you do you quote three ninjas when you do your theme song. <laughs> I do. Uh, the bad guy from that is a is a character named Snyder, which I remember because I watched that movie a lot as a kid. <laughs> yes. Do you know if Snyder from Three Ninjas is on Villain's Wiki? <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent question, Sean. Let's take a look. It's funny that I quote a movie I've never seen either. Snyder. A great line. I know it from you, and then I watched the clip on YouTube, and it was pretty much everything I wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah, it's great. He's, he's pumping weights, I believe. So yeah. I can tell you that Hugo Snyder is 100% on Villains with <laughs> Hugo <Nice>. Snyder. <laughs> That's good to know. I'm going to have to pick three ninjas at some point, just so I can <laughs> see it. This is the first of the ninjas movies, right? Isn't there a few of these? Yeah, there's yeah, there, uh, there isn't one ninja and two ninjas before three ninjas. Kickback, um, high noon at Mega Mountain. Uh, I don't know if there's another one. 
I know those two. Right. Is there anyone notable in those? Isn't Hulk Hogan in Mega Mountain? Oh, he's in. He's a bad guy. One of them. Isn't Victor Wong in those from Big Trouble yeah, in China? Yeah, he's the grandpa. All right, cool. The martial arts genius grandpa. Okay, I love it. Um. All right, back to Candyman. Full name: Daniel Robitaille, alias yeah. the Candyman. Origin: mm-hmm. The Forbidden. Somebody actually got that right. Occupation. Oh, so this might be a well-written one. Might be, might be, might be, might be. Because <laughs> you have to read. Occupation. Serial killer. Artist. Formerly. Um, the, there's actually a third occupation here, but it's a spoiler to the movie. I will <laughs> not say it. I, I don't think anything else here is a spoiler. Powers slash skills. Immortality. Intelligence. Regeneration. Superhuman strength. Summoning swarms of bees. Teleportation, flight, levitation. I don't know if you need both of those. Invisibility, <laughs> ghostly powers. <laughs> <sighs> what? What? The, what? What's, what are ghostly powers? Hmm. You know what I think of is in Casper whenever they eat food and it goes through them and falls on the floor. That's ghostly powers to me. I think just levitating is kind of a ghostly power. I get, probably going through walls. I mean, I never see him do that, but he probably could. I got to assume, yeah. Yeah, if he can just appear. But they said teleportation. Okay, never mind. I don't know. Uh, ho- hobby, killing people. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see him That's do much one. else. Yeah. What about painting? What about handing out candy? Maybe. There's, there is the candy in that one room. Um. Uh, what about just like tormenting people? Come Monologuing. On. Put a little more. Be... Yeah, monologues. Yeah. It's hard to tell if. What about making be... out? It's hard to tell if the bees are like his pets or if he's just <laughs> cursed yeah. by having them on him all the time. Like it's, you, it's well, unclear you know how what? You could put beekeeping in on the list. Yeah. I mean, bees Absolutely killed put on him, the list. but maybe bees are his friend now. It's a it's a love hate <laughs> relationship. Love hate relationship, definitely. All right, goals, avenge his death, and keep the stories and rumors of his legend going through killing. It's worded in a weird way, but accurate. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say that he, those, it doesn't um, uh, specify, but I would say both succeeded. Oh, well, maybe maybe they consider them ongoing goals. Okay, yeah, he's still got, there's still work to be done. Crimes, serial killing, mutilations. Torture, mm-hmm. kidnapping, yeah. abduction, mm-hmm. incrimination, mm-hmm. malefic. Okay. I'm not familiar with this word. Malefic. Malefish? Malefic. Something, something bad. It, this must be like what Maleficent is, like the short version of it. Malefice? I don't know. Possession. Animal cruelty. Criminal damage. Psychological abuse. And attempted murder. <laughs> I like that they have murder and attempted murder. You know, I guess I guess being almost being murdered is bad too. It's not a yeah. fun thing anyone likes to go through. But who escapes? Who are they talking about? Attempted who murder. Who did he try to kill that didn't die? I can't think of a single because I've seen all the Candyman movies now. In two and three, everyone gets killed. No, I mean I guess if you're talking about like the lead of the second or third one, I think they both survive because they just like 
find the secret to blowing up Candyman by reciting some phrase or some bullshit. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. So I guess those ones. They must be taken into account the sequels. All right, guys. Uh, the tricky but essential part of Villain's Wiki. What type of villain is Candyman? <sighs> I just I don't. How many words are we working with this week? I'll give you. I'll give you that. I don't, I'm never sure if that's a helpful clue, but I will tell you that it is three. Oh, three words. Three. Oh, shit. Fuck. I will say the first word is one that I've seen in a lot. <sighs> Fuck. Think about Doesn't how have... Candyman... What's, the, what's the one I always want to use that I'm not supposed to? Is it Mastermind? Mastermind is, uh, is like, never right. <laughs> yeah, and he's not a mastermind. No, he's, he's making it up as he goes along. <sighs> uh, vengeful, sadistic... Boogeyman. Uh, yeah, like mythical, vengeful killer. Okay, okay. Um, well, points for getting one word, killer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, he is a tragic serial killer. Hmm. The word that I was trying to point you guys in the right direction, um, but it's hard without giving it away, is that there is a lot of villains um, on Villains Wiki that are tragic. Yeah. But he's actually one that is tragic. Yeah. So it's almost like you don't expect it, because that usually is not a good fit. But this time it is a good fit. And also, three words, but none of them mention the fact that he's supernatural. Yeah, it just makes it seem like he's a serial killer. I mean... (laughs) It's not a great site, you guys. I think we've learned that by now. But we love it. Yeah, I think tragic, like, just, like supernatural killer. Man. I mean, it's a mouthful, but it, it's more what the character is. But I was looking forward to the on, game. On to Wikipedia. Wikipedia. So Candyman has a Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. And I just like that they specify his species is Boogeyman Ghost. Com- and then parentheses formerly human <laughs> and this is linking me to the wikipedia page list of ghosts which i could be on there for a while so maybe maybe i should tell you what my pick is yeah i'd love to hear it so let me let me tell you the reasons i have made this pick okay we are going into a three-day weekend so even though i don't want to be the guy to pick a three-hour movie i feel like it's okay because <laughs> we have an extra day and this is a three-hour movie. According to the Criterion Channel, its runtime is two hours, 59 minutes, and 55 seconds. It is almost exactly a three-hour movie. Hmm. Um, it is celebrating its 50th anniversary this November. Uh, it was released November 18th, 1971. Um, and uh, Shang-Chi, the new uh, Marvel martial arts film, is coming out. So I think I am going to be in a martial arts mood. So with all those clues, and, and one more topical reason, this movie has Sammo Hung in a small part, and he did recently pass away. Uh, and I haven't seen a lot of Sammo Hung movies. Um, for all those reasons, I am making my pick 1971's A Touch of Zen, which is available on the Criterion Channel website, it's a movie that has been on my shortlist for a few Criterion months, but just never got called up. 
in part because it's a three hour long movie uh it's a movie about a uh noble woman fugitive a scholar and two aides facing off against a group of fighters and uh who are joined up by a band of buddhist monks who are surprisingly skilled in the art of battle uh it's uh, considered one of the uh, most visually striking movies ever made, a masterpiece of Chinese cinema and martial arts movie making. Uh, you know, yeah. You know, as is always my mo with Criterion Month movies. You know, a, a contender for one of the great films of all time that uh, I've wanted to see for a while, and it's not one that I've seen a lot of people talk about. I don't even know if you guys have heard of A Touch of Zen or its director King Hu. So. I uh, should be a, a lot to talk about. I have, but yeah, I don't know much about this movie. I think I briefly thought about it for a Criterion Month, but I think was uh, dissuaded when I saw that it was three hours long. But uh, all right, cool. So sorry, sorry to do it to you, but I, th- I think it'll, I think we'll have a good time. Jackie Chan's in it too. Wow. 71. He must have been 1971, a young yeah. man. Uncredited stuntman, it looks like. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's playing. So, yeah. All right, cool. That sounds like that's going to be a very smart conversation. So I'm definitely going to talk about uh, different Pringles flavor to open up that episode. Yeah, I better start researching those now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we got to balance it out for our Dubber fans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, hey, if you're a fan of this podcast, man, like, you know, check us out at mildlyplease.com or anywhere where you can find podcasts, you know, and leave us a review. That helps uh, anything to get the word out. Um, until then, uh, we are the pick. We are the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Um, and without those things, we are nothing. Oh, see you next time. Ooh, the Candyman can. The Candyman can. The Candyman can, cause he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. Makes the world taste good. Uh, who can take a